Welcome to the Essential Self-Care Podcast, where we talk about all things self-care for those of us who are, let's face it, too busy for self-care. It's time to bring that same compassion that you offer to everyone else in your life to yourself as well. In this podcast, you'll hear real-life stories of how self-care transformed people's lives as they were going through life's storms. You'll learn practical, actionable tools to begin the self-care journey yourself as well. Because like I always say, small changes make a large impact. I'm your host, Dr. Sheetal Ajmani. I'm a physician, best-selling author, and the founder of Radiant Living Institute, where I guide strong, successful women to get unstuck and learn to live radiantly again through major life transitions. Through my signature program, Reclaim Your Radiance, you'll reclaim your worth, renew your energy, and restore your happiness in your life, career, and relationships. To get started, download your free guidebook, Six Simple Yet Powerful Steps to Create Your Radiant Life at RadiantLivingInstitute.com. Quick disclaimer before we get started, the information in this podcast is for educational purposes only and is not medical advice. Always seek the advice of your own medical practitioner and or mental health provider about your specific situation. Now, let's get started. Today, I have the pleasure to introduce Wendy Goldberg as a guest to the Essential Self-Care Podcast. Wendy Goldberg is the founder and president of the Benjamin Goldberg Foundation, which is a nonprofit organization that enriches lives through healing arts by creating peaceful, playful, and inspirational environments, developing and supporting arts and health programming, and serving as a community resource. The spirit of Benjamin Goldberg, Wendy's son, is the guiding force in bringing the foundation's work to life and to transforming health and healthcare experiences through the arts. Wendy is also the host of Sundays with Wendy, a podcast featuring conversations with guests about their insights on the healing journey. Personally, Wendy is a dear friend who I met a few years ago, and we immediately connected with our shared interest in raising awareness of integrative modalities for healing. Welcome to the Essential Self-Care Podcast, Wendy. Thank you for having me today. I'm so excited to have you here. And as I mentioned, we met a few years ago, and it was at that time that I learned about the Benjamin Goldberg Foundation and Wendy's story with her son, Ben, who was diagnosed with cancer at a very young age. And so I wanted to explore with you today how you practice self-care, navigating the diagnosis, the treatments, and ultimately his transition, his death. Yeah. I love telling and sharing some of this information and some of my story because it helped us so much when we were going through those difficult times. And I feel as if really leaning on routine in the things that I had brought into my life. So self-care was something that I always been interested in and, you know, did in my daily life. But when you were faced with something so tragic, you know, a small child being diagnosed with cancer, your world immediately changes. And sometimes it's very difficult to really be able to understand what's going on and understand that not only you are having these feelings, but the entire family is having these feelings and to really lean on the things that kept me strong to even get to this point. So things like yoga, 
And I can tell you a story. I have always been an avid exerciser and that was something that, you know, is very important to me, but it wasn't until we were in the hospital with him in New York and he was in the hospital. I want to say it was a couple of weeks and he was in isolation and I, his father and I split the time and I would work during the day at the apartment and I would go back in the late afternoon and spend the evening with him. And it was tough on my body to be crunched in those chairs and to be working off a bed and all the things that we had to do. And I thought to myself, I think I'm going to go try yoga. And so I went down to a local store, bought a mat, Googled hot yoga studio near me. And I went, but on the, the walk to the yoga studio, I had this wrenching guilt mm. about going about is this pleasurable for me? Why would I leave my child in a hospital? Like it, and, but I decided to keep walking. Yeah. And when I got finished with the class, I felt amazing. And I know I could not go three times a week, Mm -hmm. maybe like if we were home, however, going once a week, or even to have that opportunity to go Mm -hmm. made me a better mom. So that hour that I took out of the week, really enabled me, gave me the strength I needed to be present with him. And, you know, I'd like to describe that as like, you know, when you're in an airplane and the the flight attendant is doing the speech and they, it always seemed weird to me until I had a child, but, you know, they say, you know, when they, if the oxygen mask were to fall, take it on yourself first and then your child. And Mm -hmm. it's that same idea that you're, I had to be whole or full or have that in me to, to actually be able to give and support him. Yeah. Yeah. There's so much that I love about what you shared. You know, first of all, you shared that you had some routines and self-care practices even before, before Mm -hmm. Ben's diagnosis, but it sounds like through going up to New York for his treatments, you know, staying in an, in an apartment or hotel and being in and out of the hospital and still working as well mm-hmm. through all of this, right? You noticed that it took a toll on your body and maybe you weren't able to initially practice all of the same self-care in terms of movement practices and exercise that you mm-hmm. usually did. And so having that awareness of noticing how this was taking a toll on your, your body as well, and then saying, Hey, yoga is something that I used to do. Movement has always been a big part of my life. Let me start to find a way to start to incorporate that again, maybe not at the same frequency as before, but starting to incorporate it. And then, you know, that feeling of guilt, I think that's a strong feeling that many parents experience, right? Even without their child having a major life altering diagnosis. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And so in this situation, you did experience that, but ultimately you also knew that doing this for yourself, that one hour helped you show up in the best way that you could ultimately for Ben and your family. Right. And let's not forget that the sometimes we discount that the children is observing your change in behavior as well. So I remember early on, um, we were here locally at the children's hospital and I might have been complaining about my back or something. And Ben said to me at five, he was five at the time, very aware and said, mom, why aren't you going to ballet anymore? Mm -hmm. So he was able to pick up 
on a difference in routine. And it may early on, it made me believe we cannot change anything different. Mm-hmm. If anything, yes, we're not going to be able to do everything the same, but yeah. to maintain a normalcy in routine was so important during that time. Yeah. And you were sharing earlier in one of our conversations that when he was initially diagnosed, a social worker gave you a piece of advice that you found very valuable as well. Oh, absolutely. And so I think it's so important when we're in these times to really listen and pay attention to what's around us and the information that's coming to us. And, you know, having a social worker in our hospital room was something that was very foreign to me. And we Mm -hmm. were leaving after, you know, I, I believe it was a 13 day stint. And this was around the diagnosis. This was our first trip home, mm-hmm. you know, so everything was going to be different from here on out. And she was sitting there so kindly. And I looked at her and I said, I don't know what I'm going to do. Like I ran a CPA firm and his father and I had just gotten divorced, not even divorced a year. I said, I don't know what I'm going to do. Mm-hmm. And she didn't even bat an eye. She said, you know what? You're not going to do anything different because if that little boy starts seeing you home all the time, he's going to think something's really wrong. And maybe that wasn't great advice for every family, but it was good advice for ours. And it kind of enabled me to really create these routine or make sure that I was keeping some sort of routine to keep our life as normal as possible. Because I like to say with Ben, we treated him like a normal kid. However, we had to care for him like a sick child. I think that gave us all this um, room and breath to, to do it, to do what we needed to do. Mm -hmm. And I wonder, I I think in a situation where you may feel like you have no control of the situation, perhaps keeping up with some of those routines may have also been a bit empowering and help give a sense of agency or or control over at least parts of the day or parts of the situation. he would get a certain type of treatment where we would be in the hospital all day. So maybe we, from eight to five, let's say. Mm -hmm. So I, for 20 years have drank the same kind of tea. It's a Yerba Mate green tea. And I, you know, always part of my routine. So I brought my tea with me and as simple as that sounds. So there was a period of time when Ben would fall asleep after the treatment and I would walk around the hospital and find the hot water tank or ask someone for hot water or go down to the cafeteria. But there was something about having that tea, you know, having, and I always did it in the afternoon. So it kind of really melted into the day and gave me a sense of, okay, it's the afternoon. Yeah. You know, it's still the same day. We may be in a hospital. I may not be in my office, but I have my tea. And, you know, I always thought of that tea is like, it's described as a whole body tonic. And Mm -hmm. so as I'm drinking it, I'm always feeling like that is, you know, sustaining me and something as simple as that, you know, I may not be able to cook my own food or buy organic groceries like I had, but you know, when you can pull some of that in, it's so important. Yeah. I love that. And I love that it's, you know, something as, as simple, I'm going to use the word simple as having a cup of tea and maintaining that in your routine, but that made such a huge difference. One thing that I always say is that small changes make a large impact. Sometimes it's just those, you know, often we think that we have to do something really, really huge to feel better, to practice self-care, but often it's actually those small, simple routines Mm -hmm. done consistently. Mm -hmm, that make mm -hmm. the biggest difference, right? Like yoga was really important to you at that time. At the same time, it's not something you 
could do every day, right? Taking that mm-hmm. hour, but this tea was something small that you, so having that once, once a week was super, super helpful. And having this tea kind of a, a sort of on a quote unquote, smaller scale of the time that it takes, the energy that it takes to do that practice made also made such a large impact, right? So, Mm -hmm. and it doesn't have to be one or the other. I think some combination of of all of this, Um, but it just goes to show that self-care can look a lot of different ways. Mm -hmm. And I think, you know, when you think about, I think of self-care, it's just being kind to yourself. Mm -hmm. I mean, we're all faced with things and challenges in our lives at different times, but we don't have to beat ourselves up about it either. I mean, to just be kind and do the things that you enjoy when you can, you know, it is so simple. I think also your example, when you're sharing the story of walking to yoga and as you were walking every step, you did feel that, that weight of guilt, but you kept taking that, that step. Mm -hmm. And I think that is often sort of a mindset shift to kind of deal with some of those, those heavy emotions of, of doing things that may be a little bit, a little bit differently. Right. That, and I think mm-hmm. that is an act of kindness of, of being able to, to practice releasing some of that guilt, because ultimately, you know, that this is helping you to show up as your best self. Yeah. A hundred percent. So we talked a bit about practicing self-care through Ben's diagnosis, through his treatments, and ultimately Ben did transition. During that time, that time also, I'm sure there was a time of grieving with the initial diagnosis as well as the treatments. And during this time of uh, when he did transition, when he did pass away, a lot of grieving at that time as well. Can you tell me a little bit about your self-care journey and, and just kind of how you processed that time as well. Yeah. And just, so, just so the listeners know, Ben um, was diagnosed and in treatment for three and a half years. So that was a long period of time, you know, to grapple mm-hmm. with um, the possibility that he may transition, but, you know, until that actually, that moment actually happens, you don't know how you are going to handle it. And I think I handled it in the same way I handled myself during his care. I ran a business and I, I took a couple weeks off to kind of gather myself. But for me, that was a good decision to get back into my routine mm-hmm. and definitely honored the feelings that came along with it as much like I did during his treatment. Um, you know, just allowing the space and the emotions and feeling them in the moment and not running from them. Mm-hmm. But as time went on, movement was always so in yoga, all of those things so important to me. So I took up something new. I took up Pilates, which I've now grown to love. And, you know, that was really important for me to kind of have a newness mm-hmm. in that time. And just, cause my, I felt like I wasn't and there's no judgment in the way people grieve, but I was going to be an active griever. I was not going to lay in a ball in the corner for months at a time. So how would I support myself in the way that I would continue on this journey without him actually? So I started writing then I had started writing Ben's story when he was still alive and it took me years after, but at night I would come home and I, you know, for me, I could 
it's almost like it was all still there. And I could pull myself into a room with a doctor and I could tell you whether he was clean shaven. I could tell you what color shirt he had on. So we, he had been just had such a powerful story. I wanted it written. And so that was very cathartic for me to, to share it in that way. So that helped. Um, I also explored new ways of self-care that I hadn't before. I started working with a meditation coach Mm -hmm. that I worked with for over a year. And Mm -hmm. that was, she really opened my eyes to, um, you know, the grief can get stuck in your body, Mm -hmm. you know, like the emotions can get stuck. And I think as much as I would thought I was moving, there were aspects of it that just still layers that had to come off Mm -hmm. and to, to energetically work on it on that level and get your mind to understand that was really important as well. Mm -hmm. A year or so later, I took a Reiki class and saw that through and to my, to the Reiki master program with a Reiki, you, you have to heal yourself first Mm -hmm. and clear yourself first until you can go, go on in the levels and um, help other people. So, you know, I think I had an open mind Mm -hmm. and I was curious about the ways that I could deal with the grief. And I, you know, there was a, that's a lot going on right there. Right. Yeah. You know, so I continued yeah. to things that I, that I always did. Cause I always ate healthy and, mm-hmm. you know, extra. So there wasn't a lot to fix or do as far mm-hmm. as my health or my, that part of, of my lifestyle, mm-hmm. but to open up a more energetic or spiritual way yeah. of doing it was huge for me. You know, what I'm hearing in everything that you shared is, is this curiosity. I love that aspect. Sometimes, you know, going through these really challenging moments, finding a way towards curiosity can be really powerful. Um, I think that just automatically and naturally does open your ideas to possibilities of what's around you, things that maybe you wouldn't, that maybe even things that have always been around you, but you won't necessarily see unless you Mm -hmm. kind of have that curious mind. And then I also hear that a few things. So that the self-care is a journey, right? Mm Because this grieving process and this journey Um, over a few years, you, you explored different healing modalities and paths and that you really were open to, and also exploring healing on the, on truly the mind, body, spirit, and energetic Mm -hmm. levels, which I think is really beautiful. You know, movement, I always say is really powerful. So emover is the root of emotion. And it means to move out. So emotions are not meant to stay stuck in your body. They're meant to move out. And one way that we do that is through movement. So I'm a big believer in movement as a really powerful self-care modality. Also, writing is just such a wonderful modality as well as the meditation, the Reiki. So again, just kind of touching on these different layers and levels where you can practice self-care and find emotional, spiritual healing as well. Because I think it's all three. Yeah. I really think it to heal, you re, you have to understand it in your body and then, you know, clear it out of, um, you know, your more subtle bodies as well. So, yeah. you know, and so I've learned a great deal. Yeah. And because it's all connected. It really is. It mm-hmm. all, it all is connected our physical body along with our, our subtle body. I think another really valuable thing that you mentioned is that you gave yourself that space to grieve as well. And that you allowed yourself to feel what you needed to feel, which I think can be really difficult. 
many of us can put a lot of judgment and pressure on ourselves when mm-hmm. we feel those heavy feelings that, hey, for some reason, maybe we shouldn't be feeling this, you know? But I've found as well in my own life, when I've gone through really challenging situations, that when you're able to allow those feelings to come up. And for me, it's often been um, through meditative practice. When I'm able to sit in meditation with those feelings, they tend to pass. They can get really strong, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. but if you just allow yourself to kind of witness it, and I'm not saying this is necessarily easy. I think also um, if it's something you don't have experience with doing it with the assistance of a guide can be really helpful as you did with a meditation coach. But if you're able to, they will pass. And so you're allowing it to move through you again. So as you said, so that it doesn't get stuck in your body and show up in other ways. Right. Like this, the the old saying, this too shall pass, you know, so the good things come and go and so do the bad. And so how do we, you know, I think in our culture, it's kind of like everyone's be positive, be positive. Mm -hmm. And yes, being positive is important, but it's got, it's deeper than that. You know, it's kind of allowing, I think it's more in allowing what is instead of like, you could positively push something away, but you know, to, to really harness what's going on. And then it's really in your reactions and the way you're responding to the situations that are so important. Well, this has been wonderful, Wendy. I think we covered so many great topics and tools and modalities, and I really appreciate you coming on here and sharing your personal story and Ben's story and your family's story with us. I was curious if, you know, we covered a lot of different modalities. Mm -hmm. I know that you had self-care practices uh, before his diagnosis as well. Mm -hmm. For someone who maybe doesn't already have those self-care practices or routines Mm -hmm. in practice, who's going through a really challenging situation, perhaps a parent facing a similar sort of situation as you had faced uh, a diagnosis for their child, what would kind of one piece of advice you would give for them to just start, just to start out with practicing self-care in this situation and processing this situation? Right. Because we talked about several, you know, and that's why I think you and I love integrated medicine and integrated therapies, because I feel like there's an array of things. There's not yeah. just one way to do it. And I think in these situations, I mean, yeah, whatever you like. I mean, if you like to write, to start journaling or, you know, if there, if there's an aspect of your diet, maybe you want to work on just pick one thing. You could add fruit in the morning. I mean, so I think whatever little thing that is easy and fits into your life, and then maybe try something new. You know, it could be crocheting. It could be um, anything that soothes the mind is really important. Soothes the body and soothes the mind. Yeah, absolutely. I love that. What is resonating with you now in this moment? And just pick one thing. And if you could share a little bit about the Benjamin Goldberg Foundation, what inspired the foundation, what you're doing with the foundation, Um, And then how we can find out more about the Benjamin Goldberg Foundation and get involved. One of my favorite topics, sharing. Um, (laughs) Ben passed away in 2016 and it took me a minute. You know, I did not know exactly what I was going to do to honor him. And I knew it would be something. So a couple of years passed and I was volunteering at our local children's hospital and I was on the floor and, you know, walk in the rooms in and out with the children. And I... I was taken back to our experiences at Memorial Sloan Kettering Cancer Center. So during his treatments, we worked with a dance therapist. We work with meditation. And it was so important to our family 
because some of those times were so stressful. And I think when, when the, the presence of those people were with us, what it did is it took the anxiety out of the room and it allowed us to be a hundred percent present with Ben. And I thought, why can't we do that here? And so I reconnected with the practitioners from Memorial and we one of the first things we did is brought the dance therapist who worked with Ben down. And I think you were involved in that. I was there, And she yeah, did absolutely. a grand, grand rounds at the hospital. And so we began talking about it. And I, you know, that, that topic at the time of integrated medicine is a little scary for people. And so even our board would struggle. Well, how do we say what we're doing? And, you know, so we didn't push it. I, I wasn't worried about maybe that not everyone understood it. We were just going to keep plugging along. And so, you know, the projects came and I always say the opportunities and there were green light, green light go. And the hospital has since we have a naming of the fifth floor oncology unit, the Benjamin Goldberg playroom, which the money is really further. It is a naming of course on the glass. However, um, the money was further designated to go to integrated therapy. So they have since hired an art therapist and a music therapist that work with the children there. So it is so, you know, you never know when you start something, you have an idea. And um, luckily I had such a wonderful board of family and friends at the time who were so supportive and believed in Ben's story. So to see it come to fruition and to see these things actually happening. And now we're creating programs. We've kind of broadened that angle and arts and health is such an emerging field and bringing these creative experiences and allowing children to be who they are because Ben was good. He was who he was. He, he was big and known and strong. And I think that now because of him, we are able to bring these to other people. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's actually an honor to do the work I do. And that's so amazing. And, you know, something that, that struck me also, as you were sharing, as you were sharing that experience of when you were uh, at Memorial Sloan Kettering and the music therapist and dance therapist and art therapist came in, it also made me think of some things that you shared with me earlier about your own journey with self-care of being open to -hmm. these different modalities and being open to, okay, there are these healing arts therapists coming into my my son's hospital room, right? Never, you know, never heard anything about this before. And just being open to that, those sort of different modalities. Right. And I'll, I'll never forget. And I was, I'm a curious person. So before that happened, we were in and out of the hospital and I, it was a very open clinic. So, you know, people, doctors, everyone was around and I'll never forget the first time I noticed something, they had something extra going on. I saw a man in a black karate outfit with a red glove. And there was a kid screaming. He didn't want to be accessed. And that's a very traumatic experience for a child, no matter how many times they've been accessed. So the nurse couldn't handle him and the parents couldn't handle him. Just almost completely out of control. Mm -hmm. And this guy, I'm just sitting here witnessing this. So this guy walks over to the child and just holds up his red glove and says, give me 10 kicks. And the kid started punching. And it was like, you could see it. You could see the kid's emotions just diffuse. Mm. So instead of the kid having to go home and maybe not have his treatment at day because he couldn't get accessed, he, the family was then able to move through the day. So that was the first time I saw it. And then I, then I, you know, did a little research and it's a whole program there of integrated medicine. And, um, it is amazing. I feel very grateful for my time there. 
and now continuing to raise that awareness as well as bringing programming through the Benjamin Goldberg Foundation to bring more of that to help other children and families. And then as well as through your podcast, Sundays with Wendy, where you're bringing on healers from different modalities as well to share their journey. You also share more about your experience, Ben's journey. Um, through the diagnosis. So I encourage our listeners to check that out as well. I'll have the links in the show notes, both to the Benjamin Goldberg Foundation, as well as the Sundays with Wendy podcast. Thank you again for joining us today, Wendy. Thank you. It was a pleasure. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to subscribe, leave a positive review and share this episode with someone you know. And remember your free guide, six simple yet powerful steps to create your radiant life is waiting for you at radiantlivinginstitute.com. Download it today.